Well, welcome to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. The Unstoppable Freedom Alliance is part of a growing movement across America that's fighting for freedom and the values and ideals that this country was founded on. I'm really excited about our guest today. His name is Victor Marks. Victor is a former Marine, a world-class martial artist and trainer. He's the founder and president of All All Things Possible Ministries, a national faith-based organization. He leads high-risk missions to some of the world's most dangerous places to set people free from trauma and abuse. He's also an author, a speaker, a movie producer. He is one of the most successful and popular podcasts on the air. Most importantly, though, he's been married to his wife, Eileen, for over 30 years, and they have five kids. Uh, As a man of deep faith, he's one of the kindest and most dangerous men that I know. Come on. Victor, it's an honor to have you on the podcast. Jimmy, thank you for the opportunity to be here. And uh, man, I like you. I like you. (laughs) And I thank God for you. And I thank God for your son, because that's how we met. Yes, yes. So I had an opportunity, of course, to visit your headquarters. And you had spent, generously spent most of the day with Jake. And I think you mentioned to me that you hadn't trained anyone in that way this year yet and you no. had an opportunity to tell me about that tell me about working with jake well you know i met him through charlie yep. and uh <clears throat> and then he you know at, at my stage in the game in the years i've trained men men to be warriors warriors to uh kill people mm. and uh it'll be interesting the sum total maybe in heaven, if I ever get to find out the number of bad people that we remove from the face of the earth for our efforts. But with that being said, Jake was this tenacious young man Mm -hmm. that I've spent time with. We're doing some traveling with Charlie. And then he said, you know, I'm flying in. And I said, well, you know, why don't you come visit and we'll do a little training. So my idea of training, I typically do a couple (laughs) little things and say, there you go, kid. You know, see you later. Go get him. Go get yeah. him. Yeah, he he was unbelievably not only athletic, mm. but smart. So I would yeah. teach him something, and then he got it. I mean, he he got it, and he owned it very quick. Which I I was yeah. like, oh, well, let's try this. He got it and owned it. Let's try this. So I ended up <laughs> spending the better part of a day, which I don't do. I don't have days I can just hang out with a young man. Yeah, it was such a good investment of my time. Mm. And I'll never forget, he sent me a text later. He goes, I'm going to make you proud of me. Mm. And I said, you already have. Wow. So wow. Getting that gives to, me chills. Well, brother, get, getting to, to know your son, it's a direct reflection of you. Mm. And uh, I'm not a great dad, never claimed to be. My kids have given me the little best dad in the world award. <laughs> And they gave it with truth. They're like, we love you. You did the best you can. You <laughs> did said, the best I, you could. I gratefully, I gratefully <laughs> accept this. Even though it's not the full truth, uh, <clears throat> I strive to be. But I wasn't. And then I meet somebody like your son and you. And I go, this is how I hope my sons turn out. To be a father like you. Mm-hmm. To, to, to better our next generation. So, uh, so yeah, that's what led us Thank here. You. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that. we could hang out for a bit. 
I love hearing stories about my kids and their interactions with people like you. And he's he's been that way, by the way, from the very beginning. His, I believe his mom, it. Yeah, his mom and I knew he was born for special times. He he yeah. we we know he's going to make a tremendous difference. He I already is. It. When he was three years old, four years old, he, we would I'd be driving him to and from uh, practice fields, and he would listen so intently. I knew that right away, anything that I invested in him was going to pay off. It was yeah. going to have significant dividends. So well, thanks and, for doing and, that. Well, let me say this to to those watching us right now. You just heard a nugget. You just heard a real nugget thrown out on leadership and your ability to to grow in different aspects. You've got to be willing to listen. Yes. Listen to what people worthy of listening to are saying. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you'll just get a nugget every now and then. Yeah. But listen, it's uh, I never forget my my biological dad was a martial arts instructor. His father was a professional fighter. Wow. Um, from barroom fights to barn fights to bare knuckle fights early, <laughs> you know, in the early 1900s. And uh, so we're just this generation of, you know, my knuckles tell the story <laughs> and my nose. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want to get hit with those hands, man. I, I, I'd have to get real close to the camera to make it look like your hands. I, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've, I've almost talked myself out shaving or brushing my teeth. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? So uh, <laughs> yeah, well, strong- I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, too. This is funny. So you have a long lineage of fighters and that's part of the reason why and i do want to get into your childhood in in just a minute because i do think that the experiences that we have throughout our lives are the things that make us who we are ultimately if if we let god use those things for the greatest good and for his glory then then you can see that full expression even of the bad times right yeah good and bad yeah for sure and i remember the first time i think the first time i ever got introduced to you or what you were doing it was on a video called the fastest gun disarm you'll ever see and i'm like oh come on what is this this is staged right holy smokes the speed at which you can disarm someone with a gun to really right in your face is unbelievable if um is it are you that fast yeah i would say this i feel like god has given me a gift for speed and non-telegraphic movement because there are times I actually do things, uh, one, that I, I don't know, I really don't know physically how I do it, still yeah. even at my age, because yeah. we just came off of a tour of, I mean, I think I spoke 20-something times in five days, six days to different, <clears throat> different military groups. And I'm bringing young men up, either doing the gun disarm or hitting them five or six times <clears throat> right at a second, clocked at a second. Oh yeah, and uh, and I just go, Lord, thank you for this gift that you've given me. So, but with that gift was the stewardship of me training mm-hmm. thousands, tens of thousands of hours in order to 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 get it to that point. And and yet, still, that's not what yeah. defines me, right? That's I mean, right. Uh, right. I, I, it's gifts and skills can take you to a place. Or your character can't sustain you. Mm, yes. And we focus on gifts and skills, which are important. But boy, you better focus on the character of yeah. how are you going to respond if you're successful. Yes. If all that you hope for comes true, how are you going to live that out? 
Yeah. Are you are you going to let it ruin you? You're going to let it get to your head? You're going to cheat on your spouse? Mm. You're going to give up? You're going to compromise for money? Yeah. The character yeah. is what matters uh, yeah. most these days. Kind of like that, it's kind of like that character is, you know, we always talk about the root of the tree versus the fruit of the tree. You know, that the trees, the, the height of the tree is dependent upon the depth of the root system. And so a lot of times, right, we see all this stuff on the face of it. We see these incredible gifts and talents and strengths that people have. But but it really is relatively vulnerable if their character and integrity doesn't support it. And I think that's what you that's kind of one of your core messages, isn't it? It is. And it's not only the depth of the roots equal the height of the tree, but the ability to withstand. Yes. You know, gale force winds, horrible things. And that's why I I think this generation, there are a lot of young men and women out there that they don't like embracing the the suffering or we call the suck of life, which it's just part of it. There's physical, there's emotional, which emotional is by far the hardest because you you can heal from broke bones, lopped limbs, you know, uh, burns, scars. But the emotional is it what sticks with you. It's that brain housing group. Yeah. And and I would just encourage your listeners to just, you know, man, I give you permission to understand and agree. Like just it's okay to suffer. <clears throat> now, self-induced suffering, bad choices. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking yeah. about life in general, because yeah. believe me, that's your roots going down deep. Yes. For a life that you really want to live and that God's prepared for you. So uh, endure suffering and hardship, especially for the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's right. I think this idea of shared suffering, right, is such an important concept. It's a spiritual concept, of course, but it's a very practical concept, too, because life, you said it, life is hard. I mean, um, you know, and let's talk a little bit about, you know, your childhood, those early days. I, I know from knowing your story a bit, that your childhood was filled with significant trauma, significant abuse, and then probably a whole bunch of decisions that led to, uh, that could have really ended up in a life of self-destruction, but really God turned that around. Tell us a little bit about your childhood, what it was like growing up, some of of what you suffered through. Well, you know, I I think everybody has a story, Hmm. and everybody, you know, pain is relative. Uh, I think the consequences are different, uh, but the pain is equal. So when I share my story, I often hear people say, oh, I've never experienced anything like that. And, and, and I go, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. But, but maybe if an absent father or someone who spoke negative things to you, never physically or sexually abused you, yeah. uh, that's just as painful to uh, a young person's heart and mind. And you yeah. still have to get over that. You still have to forgive. For me, my uh, the night my mom got pregnant with my dad, per them, uh, from their point of view, uh, he straddled her and shoved <laughs> rosary beads down her throat and then put a pistol to her head. Oh my so they both came from very, uh, very challenged, tragic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, his dad died in a mental hospital, <clears throat> the fighter. Uh, he had brain damage, and he ended wow. up being institutionalized. My biological dad, who uh, ended up going to the same mental hospital 
for homicidal tendencies. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so it's, you know, I'm just at, at a certain point, I go, wow, we're great fighters, and yet we're crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and that's a, that's a real tough combination too, crazy fighters. Nobody it, wants to be around that. Nobody wants to. I had a guy get in my face one time to fight me. <clears throat> I was in the Marine Corps, and he was a way bit bigger than me and tougher, but he wasn't as crazy. And I remember looking at him and told him a couple of things I went through. I was like, you ever been locked in a cooler for dead as a kid? And he was like, what? I said, I have. And uh, that kid in me is about to have some therapy with you. I'll never <laughs> forget. He was like, what the hell? He's like, I'm out. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't want crazy. I don't want to fight crazy. I just That's want to right. fight ego. Yes. So, so you know, uh, my mother made poor choices as well because of her background of abuse. Mm -hmm. And it was just a pitiful combination of two people, super yeah. broken, neither knew the Lord, had children together. But I was a leftover, and actually they were divorced when I was born. My father didn't claim me as his own. He, he thought, you know, for sure my mother had cheated and I was someone else's kid. My mother would go on to marry six times. Wow. Yeah. And in your childhood, growing up? In my childhood, saved the last one. Um, and I mean, she, that and my dad, you know, he had his run with being drug dealer, pimp, uh, you know, just really. Wow. Then, went, then went the whole education route. That's how he was going to save himself mm. through education. And that certainly didn't work. Because we both know education doesn't equal smart. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times just indoctrinated. And, That's right. Uh, so, well, especially today. Yeah. That's another especially. Topic, yeah. Especially, especially today. today. So my, uh, my first stepfather was a, uh, a pedophile. There's no other way to say it. He, 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 he definitely saw the weakness in my mother who had suffered from multiple personality disorder mm. and with four children at, I think she was age 22, 23 at the time. Wow. And, uh, he was much older and, you know, he, he, he was a predator in my opinion and he Gosh. definitely preyed on her. So I suffered abuse from him, uh, which was, you know, all forms, including torture. I was dumped. Gosh. I remember being ducked in a tub till I passed out. You know, waking up to him breathing in my mouth and him saying, "Boy, don't ever forget, I'm the one that gives you life." Oh, gosh! And and you know, Jimmy, those are lies that are yeah. based in reality. Yeah. And those are the hardest to get over. And if I could yeah. just address that for a second, because I don't like glorifying the darkness. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I do. <clears throat> I do tell enough so that people understand there's always a way out. Yeah. God can heal. God can replace lies with truth. You know, the name of our ministry is All Things Possible. Yeah. And then I always put a caveat, but it don't mean it's easy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, you have to get over lies that you've believed about yourself, yes. either as a child or as an adult, and replace it with the truth. And the best way to replace it, in my opinion, is just say the opposite of it. So the lie is, I give you life. The exact opposite is, you don't give me life. God gives me life. Yes. And uh, I lived in fear from mm. anxiety to, of course, panic attacks. And, and you know, uh, 
the craziness that comes through with all of that, I end up having to have 123 visits to a trauma specialist. Uh, I did that in nine months, so I don't know what the record is, but I was going for it. <laughs> You're an overachiever. I'm a competitor. Yeah, you are a competitor. Even with myself. Did you uh, ask? You probably asked him, hey, what's the record? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I remember the psychologist saying, yeah, this is uh, uh, out of 30 years, 35 years of working with people, you know, she goes, I, I, I've never seen a more severe case of abuse. A lot of them. Unreal. But, you know, I remember telling her, this isn't going to work. And actually, you know, I, well, just people can yeah. read my book or watch the movie. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. in it. It's, well, uh, it's amazing. As you yeah. were talking, as you were sharing a little bit about that, your, the beginnings, I wrote down a word, a, a couple of words, hope, you know, that, and I wrote down no matter where you start, no matter how hard the circumstances, no, I mean, cause these are extreme circumstances. These, yeah. most people aren't going to experience, thank God, aren't going to experience what you have. However, it's a reminder because I think, I think a lot of our young people today are, are growing up with a lack of hope, with a, with a lot of despair. I mean, yeah. if you look at the, the rates of suicide, the depression, the anxiety, it's off the charts, the hopelessness, right? But but your message, and I think this message that is no matter where you start, it doesn't determine where you finish. It, you can overcome unbelievable trauma and hardship and that there's hope involved in that, isn't there? There is. And, and you know what? I, God made us to heal. Mm. That That's he didn't. He didn't. We're breakable but we're healable. Yeah. And when a person defines, you know, despair or hopelessness, I always kind of say from what perspective, mm. you mm. know, it's, uh, is it from first world problems? Yeah. You know, you're someone you like breaks up with you, uh, mm. cheats on you. Uh, you, you're not in the job or position that you would like, uh, Right. Okay, those all hurt, but those shouldn't lead you to despair. Yeah. Uh, get on a plane with me. Yeah. I'll show you people who have a right to live in despair, and yet they don't. Mm. Um, you know, they they keep staying hopeful. And to me, without hope, you can't really have faith, love. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, love is most important. Faith yeah. matters tremendously. Mm. But hope... So isn't it isn't it amazing? Like I just had a thought on that. One of the tactics of the enemy, we be, we believe that there is a spiritual enemy. Um, obviously, the scripture tells us that, but it doesn't take much to actually experience it in your life if you're just a little bit aware. Right. Probably. But isn't it amazing that one of the key tactics of the enemy is to isolate, to divide, to make you feel like you're all alone so that you'll start to believe the lies. Totally. Well, yeah. I mean, think about it. Satan, his yeah. name, he yeah. was given the title Father of Lies. It's not Father of Evil. It's the right. Father of Lies. So <laughs> the battlefield for lies is our mind. Yes. And look, I've been in the battlefield. I've seen, yeah. I've been, I've had my share, I think 16 times now I've been to Iraq or Syria uh, right. as a high-risk humanitarian missionary. Uh, recovering children, facilitating rescues, <clears throat> giving, you know, trauma relief. Yeah. I've been shot at, mortared, 
you know, uh, and I'll and I'll tell you as a Christian for our faith, like that we're doing this for the Lord. We're not military anymore. Yes. So, and and I would just say, you know, truth and the spiritual warfare. It's yeah. spiritual warfare is far more intense than physical oh. battle. Yeah, I mean, I and, just and made most a people po- aren't yeah. even aware. Most people aren't even aware that it's happening all around them. Yeah. So the battlefields are mine. And uh, like tomorrow is a sad anniversary of uh, of a young man that died, that I that I recruited and got into the work overseas, and he was from there. And <clears throat> he 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 literally is a martyr, and mm. he died saving a girl. Mm. Uh, Dave Eubanks was part of that team, and uh, from Free Burma Rangers, mm. and they're still continuing to do good work. Dave just texted me from Burma. And we're praying for his family to get wow. in. But, wow. you know, the battlefield is the mind. It is. So I would encourage people listening or watching, take thoughts captive. That is a discipline. It's, it's we, you've heard of situational awareness. This is SSA, spiritual situational awareness, mm. where you've got to, you've got to take every thought captive. Yes. Where when a dart comes in, you go, is that from God, me, or the devil? Mm. And you know, there's only three places a uh, thought's yep. going to originate, unless you have multiple personalities, and then <laughs> that's <laughs> it, yeah, that is the caveat, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's still <laughs> siloed in the personality. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's amazing to me that you could start in with such a tough uh, upbringing. Tell us a little bit, a couple things. Tell us a little bit about your path to healing. Like, how did you get to from a place of absolute destruction to the visits for counseling, you know, yeah. the, the record-setting pace to healing? How did you, and, and what role did faith, when did faith enter this equation? Because you obviously weren't raised in a home of faith. How did that all transpire? Well, surprisingly enough, I was. Really? Yeah, my, uh, I was born Catholic, raised Baptist. We hit the Pentecostal movement. You know, it's, it's. Uh, it's the the pathway to healing is interesting. And in childhood, I would say this: I always wanted to grow up. I had the hope that if I grew up, my life could be better. So I didn't want to give up, and I just endured. And the changes. I, I think it was fourteen schools, seventeen houses. Gosh, you know, and everything that comes along with that. Um, and all I could say is, well, I recognize where I am now as a sixth grader mm-hmm. who doesn't know how to throw a baseball, it, you know. And I literally was on a team and proved it. Uh, <laughs> I, the only time my yeah, the only time my siblings came to a game, they hit it to me. I was the position behind first base. What is that? What what is that? Is right that field? Right field. Yeah. And. I miss the catch. I pick up the ball. I don't know how to control my adrenaline. I don't know how to throw a ball. I throw it so hard, Jimmy, but my release was right in front of me. And it it hit three feet in front of me in the mud, mud flying. People start laughing. I think I picked it up and underhanded it. So, (laughs) Listen, there is a punchline there around Anthony Fauci. It's, it, I've seen him throw out a first pitch, and boy, oh boy, it sounds familiar. Yeah, another reason why kids need dads, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Just to keep us from being embarrassed. 
Yeah. So, you, you know, going, going through this whole deal as a kid, I was like, when I get older, I mean, I recognize I suck right now, yeah. but I'm not going to give up hope. And then when I got a little bit older, uh, I could see the light of as soon as I get out of school, I'm going to move away. And for me, I joined the Marine Corps. And yeah. that was a good step for me. I think yeah. it was God's will because not all people who join the military, it's a good it's a good step. But it was good for me, discipline. Mm-hmm. And I was able to kind of see what I could do unhampered by, yes. you know, weirdness. Yeah. And and I excelled. I actually graduated top of every class from communications wow. to shooting to becoming an instructor and then a competitive shooter. And I thought, all right. And I even started doing a little bit of college. And I thought, wow. And then I was struggling with life as a Marine mm-hmm. because I did what the world said you had to do to be a man. Because all I wanted to do was be a man. Yeah. Just like... The gun disarm. I was seven years old when my stepfather put a pistol to my head, pulled a hammer back, and would tap it to the side of my head. And he said, if you ever tell anybody what I've done to you, I'll kill you. I'll blow your brains out and tell the police you played with my gun and shot yourself. So as a kid, I determined, I took this self-vow, I'll be the fastest person. No one will ever be able to put a gun to my head without me taking it away. And I proved it. Hundreds of millions of views later, I've done this thing all around the world on everybody from a kid, a gang member, to a Delta operator, right? So so to get back to this. By the way, real quick on that, I've I've seen a lot of those videos, but better than that, you invested some time in my son. We We go home and he starts, he starts teaching me. And that's the beauty of when you invest in, in a young man like that, they immediately want to get great at something and then they want to pass it on. That's why it's a it's a worthwhile investment. So he starts showing me and I'm like, wait, what are you doing? How do you hit? And what? Oh my gosh. We're, so we're doing these drills in our house and we, he. by the time we're done, he's got my wife engaged. I love and it. And now it, it's just total bedlam, you know? I love it. Yeah. And believe me, many good men have died developing what really works. Mm. Not out of books, but in real life. <clears throat> and yeah. passing that stuff on matters. It's a it's a yeah. joy for those of us to do that. No we're entrusting it into something that will be handed down generation to yes. generation. But becoming a man, that's what mm. I wanted. <clears throat> and you know what the world said? <clears throat> the world said, hey, if you be a man, you gotta fight, yeah, hold your liquor mm. and and chase women and get women. So I did that, and what I quickly realized being in the Marines, I knew girls who could do the same as me and sometime better. Great fighters, females, could drink more than me, and they could get more women than me. And I said, this has got to be the worst definition of manhood, Man. <laughs> right? What a, what a girl is whooping me in all three. Oh. So, so I, it was about that time, and I got in some trouble in the Marine Corps, that my mm. biological dad writes me a letter. We hadn't been in touch but a few times. And he, he starts off this letter by calling me son. He goes, dear son. And I'll tell you the truth, it aggravated me so mm. much, Jimmy. I was like, yeah. don't call me son. Mm. I know how you got my mom pregnant. You left. You, you haven't been there for me. And he goes, I know you think I'm crazy. Hence, yeah. Yeah. 
the yes, history proves it. <laughs> and then he, his next line is what really blew me away. He goes, this time I'm crazy for Jesus Christ. Amazing. And I went, what's the catch? Yeah. There's got to there's gotta yeah. be a catch to this. <laughs> and he said, look, never been a dad. I took responsibility, which was pretty impressive. He said, just come and visit me. So I did. I took leave of absence. The Marine Corps let me go because I was getting. Because <laughs> you're crazy. Yeah. And I was in trouble with the Marines. And they said, we'll let you go visit. Because I said, you know, this is my real dad. and da -da. So they let me go. And here's this guy, thick forearms, a nose that stayed flat, tattoos. He was a bouncer for 27 years. He was in the Navy and a smoker, boxer champion. He was raised in a boy's home for part of his life, St. John Bosco's boy's home, you know. And there was something different about him. Wow. And he said, I've, I've given my life to Jesus, and I'm going to follow him. And uh, I thought, this is wild. He, he, nothing perfect about that guy. Yeah. But the direction of yeah. his life, I saw it change. Wow. So it was him, Jimmy, that invited me to go to church. Oh and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go sit in the back. And, and I just, I heard the simple gospel that Jesus died on the cross. And I knew it. Mm. I knew I'd heard the gospel before. I'd been to Christian school. I'd done the thing. But it was that day, June 22nd, 1986. And uh, wow. I ain't a big mathematician, but it's next month. And uh, it's a, that's a few decades of knowing the Lord. And amazing. I can tell you, he's never failed me. Mm -hmm. He's never failed me. Wow. And, how, and so you were, what, 20, in your 20s? 20, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So. It, but isn't it true, though, that's, that's the proof of the reality of, of Christ, the reality of faith, is when you see absolute transformation of someone that you thought could never change. There's no way this, and someone who had been abusive in, in so many ways, I mean, think about it. You're watching the reality of transformation in front of you. That's very attractive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was shocked more than anybody. I yeah. remember one time reading my Bible, and I started laughing. This is just a few months after I come to faith. I'm laughing. I'm just laughing by myself because I thought, I'm reading the Bible, and I love it. I cannot <laughs> believe this. I'm reading hey, who is this person? Yeah, and it made sense. And for a lot of people, they've never like they've never really been born again. Yeah, they may be religious like I was, yeah. but you're not born again. Yeah, so you try to read the Bible, doesn't really stick. Yeah. Things don't spiritual things aren't a big interest. Yeah, when you really repent of a lifestyle of sin, when you believe that Jesus died for you, and then He rose from the dead, and He's the Son of God. Yes. And you put your trust faith in him. Yes. That's when things change. Yes. That's that's when transformation starts. And I'll tell you, like I tell everybody, man, it is not about perfection when yeah. you become a Christian. It's direction. If yeah. it was about perfection, I, I, I wouldn't be going to heaven because yeah. I have not been able to live the perfect life. But Jesus did, and I weigh in on that often. And when I stumble, when I fall, when I sin, by willful sinning or just like, oh, shoot, oh, I didn't see that coming. 
All yeah. I do is ask the Lord to cleanse me and forgive yeah. me. Yeah. And he does. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about, if you don't know what the Bible says, it's harder to really be able to understand it because it says that if you confess your sin, mm-hmm. he's faithful and he's just to forgive you of all unrighteousness, everything. And somebody's listening up there going, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Don't, <laughs> I don't care what you've done. Yeah. Uh, God forgives all. The cross is enough for all. Jimmy, I was praying for a pastor one time. Yeah. The pastor's like, hey, man, I struggle with rage. Can you just mm-hmm. pray for me? Because I believe people can have demonic assignments, right? Yeah. And I figured as much, this, this guy probably has some demonic, but he's a, he's a well-known preacher, wow. you know, been on TV and all that. Mm. And we're up in a little hotel room, and I start praying for him. And he's definitely got a demon that's latched on to him wow. that ain't happy. And uh, and I'm like, hey, man, this demon has some type of legal right to still hassle you and drive you. And he's mm. not possessed. I want people yeah. to know. I don't believe a Christian can be possessed. But the, the oppressive attachment yeah. of a demon can be so severe. You might as well be. It, you're going to see the same fruit. And he goes, mm. I don't know what it is. And after a while, I just finally said, Lord, I don't know what to do. This demon has some right. This guy doesn't know. And then the guy goes, this pastor goes, I know what it is. I go, okay, what? And I'm waiting for porn or something. I was like, like I care. I don't care what's it. He goes, I murdered a man. I murdered a man. And I was like, Okay, is that it? Because I never told the police. I said, well, that's between you, God, and the authorities. He goes, I was a young man involved in a gang and the occult. Nobody knows. This guy tried to kill me, but I killed him instead. And I said, well, just ask the Lord for forgiveness. He goes, I thought I did. I said, say it again. He did. All of a sudden, the demon had no legal right, and he got Mm. set free. And that rage in him was going after, hey, this brother was in his 70s, just so you know. Gosh. So, so he carried he carried that his entire life, even as a believer. Entire, entire life, which he didn't have to. And and yes. demons will just, you know, it's Ephesians 6. They throw fiery darts. If you can't hold up the shield of faith, if you start believing the lie, then it's a stronghold, and then you're not living victorious. And that's, I think, what's holding back true Christians from being light and salt in this world. It's yes. not about image maintenance, which we yeah. always work on. It's like, uh, who cares? You yeah. know? Uh, I think it's really interesting because you said, I, there's a couple things that are ringing in my head of, around this. Number one is that uh, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Yeah. You know, this freedom from that. And I remember when I came to faith in Christ, I was a very religious person. Yeah. Um, my value with God was all built up into, did I have a good day? Was I good, was I good enough today? Oh. And if I was, I felt good with God. And if I made mistakes, I felt yeah. like I was condemned by God. And it was That's just horrible. this massive performance, right? Yeah. And what I discovered was when, when Christ sets you free, it's not about what you're doing. It's about what he's already done on your behalf. Yeah. And that freedom, I, I actually remember there's a book called Pilgrim's Progress. It yep. talks about you know letting the, the burden go. I remember physically feeling that burden lift yeah. off of me when I came to faith in Christ. And it's not about perfection because what we what we tend to do then is say, great, now my life in Christ has to be perfect. 
And then we put that yoke of performance back on and we never feel good enough again. It's the same trap of the enemy. It's all about progress, not perfection. That's good. What, you said it. What direction? are? It's changed your direction. And this idea of forgiveness. Talk about this a little bit because for me, forgiven means forever. Yeah. That God separates that from as far as the East is from the West. Those two things never meet. And you can live in that freedom. You can live that victorious life. You talk a lot about what it takes to live a victorious life. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, I believe just what you said. The first thing is knowing that you're forgiven. Yeah. Truly forgiven. When God forgives us of sin, he uses the East is from the West. Yes. The reality is it doesn't exist anymore. Yes gone it's if you try to remember the sin you might remember the incident yeah but in god's record book it doesn't exist that's right uh there may be consequences from a sin that affect your life but the sin itself has been forgiven and wiped away and that's where believers have to walk in that otherwise condemnation which ain't of god because condemnation either it pushes you away from the cross. Yes. You know, conviction, which is a yes. beautiful thing, draws you to the cross. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, gosh, Lord, thank you for showing me this. Please forgive me. But, and then the second thing is when you've been forgiven, it's easier to forgive others. Yes. Uh, and yes. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, listeners, um, in this kind of our last segment here, mm-hmm. I, I was asked by God to forgive the man that abused me the most, my stepfather. Mm-hmm. And it was later in life. Yeah. Um, I was actually working in a ministry called Focus on the Family with Dr. Dobson. Wow. Uh, uh, I was an assistant to him, which shows you how messed up I was. I think God was saying, I got to get you right up in there. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> if you you're going to have help. Yeah. To yeah. run your family, I'll put you right next to the man who wrote the books on it. <laughs> so good. But I, I ended up finding the, the, this fellow, mm. my stepfather. He had been to prison, and he was out. And I remember, I remember knocking on his door, and it was a little trailer on mm. a river. Man. And this man, believe me, this man was, you know, he was a highly educated he was in the gas and oil business. His brother was a prominent attorney. Um, mm. You know, it wasn't like a little drug slinger on the corner. Right. He was he was arrested for bringing in boats and planes wow. from other countries. Uh, but he was just bound by sin and, and wickedness. So I knock on the door. Yeah. He was shocked. And I had a choice to... Now, here's what's key is the definition of forgiveness. Mm. My definition, best I've ever heard, is giving up my right to hurt someone back for hurting me. Mm. Wow. Wow, giving I've never heard that. Right, I love that. Yeah, giving up my right to hurt someone back for hurting me. And Jimmy, wow, forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. Right. And it doesn't mean we rule out justice because mm-hmm. justice can still be done even in the name of forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, and on a side note, I, 
a guy who wanted me dead, uh, you know, an ISIS fighter, you know, I not only forgave him, he just got captured. We're in Mosul. I prayed for him. Mm-hmm. So, yes. but he still had to face a consequence. Oh, yeah. Inevitable. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's, yeah. I, I need you to talk about all things possible ministries, okay? Because we, it'd be a big mess if we don't. We got to talk a bunch about that. Got about 15 minutes left if you're game. Yeah. Um, and then I want to talk about your commitment to marriage and men. Okay, so yeah. but let's let me tee it up a little bit with all things possible. I mean, one of the most attractive things about your ministry is you're focusing on um, going into some of the most dangerous environments to reach and restore victims of trauma, particularly focused on children yeah. and women, and of course the military, but children and women. Let, let's start with kids, right? Because this is a passion point. For so many of us, yeah. talk about what's going on and how All Things Possible Ministries is stepping into the space with children and women. What's happening? Well, uh, regardless of a person's background or faith or religious preference or political, mm-hmm. economic, it doesn't matter. Children should be protected. Yes, Children should be left alone. And we prefer to start in the womb. But for somebody who doesn't even share that position, you have to admit, protect children that ha- that are innocent. Yes. So we we started this, my wife and I, many years ago. Uh, I know God's given me this heart to protect mm-hmm. and to help. And we went into Iraq the first time to help girls who had been held captive, horribly abused, as sex slaves by ISIS. And when we did that, it changed our world wow. fast to where we end up getting a home in Iraq, a safe house. Wow. And we've never stopped helping those who've been affected by abuse, torture, sex trafficking, all of it, terrorists and others overseas. Hmm where to date we've helped over 43,000 women and children. Oh my gosh. It, documented. It, it's hard to even get, for for most of us to even get our heads around that. The the magnitude of the impact and the difference you're making, but and 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 to realize there's so much more of it out there that we yeah. there's such a great need. Well, thank you. Our, yeah. We've grown our teams through wisdom and training mm-hmm. and God's help. The Lord has always been faithful because we're nonprofit. We take no government money. Yeah. We've been offered, <laughs> but we've turned it down mm-hmm. because we don't want anybody's fingerprints on us except the Lord's. Yes. And literally, we were just in Iraq recently at our house, and a girl, get this, a girl who had been kidnapped and held for seven years by ISIS. Oh, my gosh. One, one of the longest held girls, and there still are others, she got abducted at 11 years old. Her parents killed. But she was in our house 48 hours after she was free. 48 hours. She had a broken nose, a broken back, and the biggest smile you've ever seen. And I posted a picture of her with us. You know, we blurred her face for security reasons. But it's unreal. And now we're putting it through medical treatment, through mm-hmm. psychological counseling and healing. Uh, and we'll put her through school. Well, you know, with the, yeah. So yeah, 
It, well, it's one of the things I love most about what you're doing. First of all, any man that finds out what you're doing wishes they were doing in some ways, wishes yeah. they were doing what you're doing because there is that something in us yes. that is designed to be a protector, to designed to be yeah. a warrior and designed to do good for other people. So there is that piece, right? Yeah. But what I love about what your ministry is doing is that there's probably not a more tangible ministry that, that I'm familiar with in this space than you all. You, 43,000 people rescued in, in one way or another, whether it's kids, women, et cetera, rescued tangibly. So what I love about that, being a financial partner with you guys, now a new financial partner, what Thank I'm excited you. about is my investment, my wife and my investment in you all is going to liberate people. It's going to bring freedom and healing, which would not happen without you and your network and your team. Well, thank you so much for support because uh, you're you're part of the team that makes it happen. Yeah. We all have to run in our own lane. And we've facilitated so many people getting set free. But yet, the biggest bulk of what we do is helping them heal. Yeah. Because if you don't help them heal emotionally mm -hmm. and spiritually, yes. bad things are going to happen. The suffering yeah. and torment continues forever. That's just the Middle East. We have a safe house in Southeast Asia. We do work south of the border, on the border of Mexico, Colombia. Mm. Uh, there are other places. And then here in the U.S., yeah. we hunt pedophiles and we help facilitate packaging, target packages of, you know, girls who are being trafficked and boys. And let me tell you how, how real and live this is, Jimmy. You mm. were here. Yeah. Since we talked, we brought in four girls that were driven by our associate team 10 hours to get here. <clears throat> four girls who were being trafficked. In the States. In the States. Four girls, all sisters, by their mom. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Gang-related, organized crime in the sense. The oldest is 18, the youngest is 10. They've been Gosh. they've been being abused in traffic forever. The mother was targeting the 10-year-old because she just got out of prison, out of jail, and she wanted to sell the 10-year-old because she can get the most for her. We bring them here. Now, what you're about to hear is going to blow your mind. And your audience, this is how real it is for us. Yeah. yeah. We've got them here at our safe house, and, you know, we have... Two fences, dogs, it's high security. I've uh, seen the dogs. The dogs are very serious. Yeah, these these are tier one trained. Yeah, dogs. you don't pet you don't pet these dogs. Yeah, they, they, they face ISIS fighters and you know, been done the done the deal. Uh but yet they love women and children. It's men that they yeah. uh will hurt their feelings. I so understand. on Easter, on Easter, we take these girls to our church. That we attend, and uh, it's you know it's Al Pittman Calvary Worship Center. Uh, we're in church on Easter, and we're just thinking, "Oh Lord, please touch these girls' hearts," and you know they need hope and healing, and may the message. And then we find out one of the girls' phones have been compromised. Oh my gosh! And then next, we found out right then, two guys drove ten hours. Bad guys drove ten hours to abduct one of the girls. 
Oh my gosh. They're in the parking lot oh my of this gosh. church. Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. We have to take the girls. We have to ease them out of the sanctuary, ease them upstairs to a secure room. I tell the security team, gents, they've actually, we've had guys come here to train from the, and I said, this is a situation. This is not a drill. This is real. They're like, holy smokes, it's happening. They, the way they responded was so professional and, and kudos because every church security team needs to have good training because stuff wow. is real these days. Mm-hmm. Well, long story short, um, we, I ended up calling the guy because we got a number and I said, hey, uh, I know you're here. And I know you're waiting. All your plans are going to be, I know you drove 10 hours and it's part of your deal. And then he starts, rah, 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 you know, rah. And now I've never done this, I promise you. I've never, ever used my name as some type of leverage or platform. But in that mm-hmm. moment, because they were outside, and uh, I just said, dude, Google my name, Victor Marks with an X, and tell me if I'm not a player. Tell me if you mm-hmm. want to get messy. Because yeah. we're very good at this. <laughs> and thank God he did. And then, you know, they headed out of town. We tracked them, and then we found them four hours later, five hours later, heading back to the city they were from. And now we've put together a packaging, target packages with law enforcement and everything. Because this girl, we were able to pull off everything we need for physical evidence of abuse and trafficking. And that little girl gave her life to the Lord two days Mm. later. And... uh, Amazing the difference. So, I you know, on a side note, I, yeah, my my family, bless my family's heart. They're like, it's Easter Sunday, Dad. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, yep, it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hey, no better, no better day to have the ultimate freedom, right? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. So uh, I, when I ask people to pray, and we did mm-hmm. thousands pray. Mm-hmm. And then when people like you support us, mm-hmm. this is what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yes. Uh, me and my <laughs> wife, yeah. People say, well, aren't you one of those ministries that you just collect money and get rich? And I'm all, yeah. yeah I, huh? I, uh, our dream house is a 24 by 24 steel building like a barnuminium with three floors. <laughs> give, me, give me a break. I drive a truck on a dirt road. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, we you have, drive pretty slow, I might add. You I I do. I'm like a grandma driver <laughs> until I go overseas. And then, yeah. Well, I love this story because I think part of what I wanted, was hoping would happen, and it just happened, is that we're going to open some people's eyes to the very real threat right now, right yeah. here. Like sometimes oh, yes. you... We always think in terms of, oh, well, that that happens over there or that, you know, whatever. No, this is the clear and present danger right here and maybe you could talk a little bit about are there some things that we need to be more aware of as moms and dads as families uh to be prepared to see things differently situationally so that we can prevent this stuff from happening to our families right now yeah so what i'm about to say may piss off a few folks but hey it's a reality and when you hear people talking about counter sex trafficking counter pedophile Mm -hmm. working on you better make sure they're qualified and they know what they're saying yeah. and what they're doing. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're just regurgitating something that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So I would say first, 
Let me talk to the single mom. Mm. The biggest threat you have, and of course, a father should be present to protect your child, but the biggest threat you have is bringing home a loser mm. that you meet at a nightclub or even at church. Mm. You bring them home, you compromise your values, you let this person into the house, you're sleeping with them, mm. which all of a sudden now you're emotionally attached. And then that person who you don't even know has access to your children when you're not there. Mm. That's the biggest occurrence of wow. sexual abuse that, that, that I've seen is mm. mothers in their weakness, naivety, or selfishness mm. will bring a dude home who's a predator and a monster. And, mm. and I mean, I just had a situation today on Instagram. If people go to my Instagram, they'll see it. Uh, uh, I reported a, a, a mother who ran over her boyfriend because mm. she found him in bed naked with her seven-year-old child. Unbelievable. And, and I said, you know, moms, y'all got to do a better job than this. Mm. So, you know, and a lady responded, mm. quit blaming victim shaming. I was like, what? I said, the child, well, we did a long thread. That ended up being a mother who that happened to her daughter. Wow. And the beautiful thing, by the time we're ended, I said, here's a video I want you to watch. Triggered 2, T-O-O. It's mm -hmm. a film we produced and made. Mm -hmm. It will bring you comfort, not condemnation, yes. and a way out. And this woman was actually very courageous on how she handled all this. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. Second, you've got to, you've got to be aware of what your children watch. Mm -hmm. the messaging from the demonic. Now, I've been involved in counter- messaging in the aspect of terrorism and whatnot for many years because of what we do and how we stay alive. But you must know that there's a very real battle for your child's mind. Mm -hmm. Everybody's looking for the van to pull up and abduct a kid. And I'm like, that's real. But what's more insidious is this messaging that children will get from Disney movies, mm -hmm. from TV shows, from TikTok, from social media yeah. that will start to diminish your child's ability to know right from wrong, mm -hmm. evil from good, and it makes them weak and vulnerable to a predator mm -hmm. who online will reach out to them or a guy that they meet as a teen or preteen who smooth talks them. And, I, and look, this is what I tell girls and women, be very leery of the nice guy. Mm -hmm. Nice guys will do and say what they need to in order to get what they want. Yes. And the moment you don't give them what they want, they're not nice. Mm. Those are predatory type guys often. I tell them, look for a kind guy, mm -hmm. a kind, dangerous yes. gentleman. Yes. And that's a book I'm, that's going to be coming out that I'm working on. I'm telling you, yes. kind men will look out for the female, the girl's best interest. Mm -hmm. Won't cross boundaries will actually protect them even when a girl is vulnerable and says, you can have me. Uh, a, a dangerous gentleman will say, not yet. Not yes. till we're married. I desire yes. you, but wait till we're married. Mm -hmm. So, uh, awesome. yeah, and then the other thing I would just say is be very careful who your kid's friends are. Yeah. Letting your kids stay over at somebody's house. Mm. The parents may be nice, but the parents may drink and let people into the house. They could have a brother who's 
has perversion. And let me tell you what, younger men are looking at hardcore child porn. Yeah. Right now the trend is up because nothing else satisfies, which mm-hmm. makes children very vulnerable. Yeah. So be vigilant. Yes. Don't just trust everybody and set up boundaries that are healthy and be very mm-hmm. careful about letting your kids go stay the night with people because that's where all the instances happen. Yeah. I love that. And it, you you may be the parents that everyone says, oh, they're so strict or they're so overprotective. But I would rather be that person than the anything goes parent that has regrets in the end. I mean, we, yeah. you know, we're called to stand in this gap and, and protect our kids. And let's talk. Uh, well, last topic. I know you've got a huge kingdom men's movement event coming yeah. up. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Why is it so important that men learn really how to be strong men. Why is this important? And, and tell us a little bit about the event. Okay, well, first event's May 21st. Uh, it's at Fort Carson here in Colorado Springs. We're doing this for both civilian men and their sons and military men. There's mm-hmm. already been 10 suicides in the first four months at Fort Carson. So we are going into the belly of the beast. We could have this men's event in a hundred other locations but we're going in. Some people go, it makes it hard. I have to register to get on base. So what? Pull out your license and registration card, spend five minutes. Uh, you know, you do it for a football game. So we're yeah. going in May 21st. Mm-hmm. We've got Nick Vavucic, uh, the gentleman with no arms and legs. He's been a friend of mine. I've known him since he was single. I love <laughs> Nick. We've got Denver Bronco, uh, Reisner coming down, Dalton. Uh, we've got uh, Colonel, retired Lieutenant Colonel Jeff Teagues, a Delta operator with over 1,000 missions, five Bronze Stars and a Silver, never lost a man in battle. Best wow. monster hunter I've ever known, worked with, and he's actually our chief operations officer. That's amazing. Trust me, pedophiles looking into their beds for him at night. <laughs> Good. And uh, uh, we've got Mark Little, uh, an attorney. Uh, a brilliant man, uh, a minister, unbelievable brother and friend, and his story is powerful. He got he he lost his leg protecting his fiance, his soon to be wife, wow. uh, in a mugging accident over in L.A. And uh, this guy is one of the strongest, most solid intellectuals, and he's been on a lot of social media for standing up for the unborn mm. and representing clients. Uh, and then Frank Sontag, longtime friend, good it's brother, amazing. KKLA. So can I tell you one closing story? Oh, yeah, that, let's go. That, that that I think will encourage men. This happened yesterday. Mm. Uh, yeah, if somebody's life is boring, hang out with me. For some <laughs> reason, we don't like boring. Yeah. Maybe it's a prayer I prayed when I was a young Christian. I was like, I don't want to live a boring life. And the yeah, you like, don't attract boring. I mean, that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, Especially since your wife is is uh, practicing with with blow darts. Oh, yeah, trust me, she's for real. She's legit. She she's been. A, I tell people, you know, you say you want to come home after a mission. And tell your wife, yeah, ISIS was shooting at me, and then you know we walked through bodies and there. You know, my wife's like, yeah, I was right next to you. Exactly. So my wife's a team member, secondary black belt, can shoot multiple platforms. Amazing. And yes, can work a blow dart gun. So, and by the way, and by the way, before you tell your story, I think this is a key element of of overall protection and safety 
is that we're in it together, right? That that our wives are not sitting ducks. Our daughters are not sitting ducks. Let's get them prepared. Let's get them aware. Hey, me and my wife shoot the same, same type of handgun. And people go, why? I go, because if I get shot standing mm-hmm. in the gap, I want my wife to be able to pick up my weapon, load, clear, engage the target like that. Yes. Or in some cases, if I'm eating a root beer float, I want her to do the shooting. And I'll throw her an extra mag if she needs backup. Here, honey. Same mag. Same uh, mag. Yes. So, so here, my wife and I are sitting at a doctor's office yesterday. Uh, and when we walk into the waiting room, there's a guy there. And he's, he's pretty chatty about his spiritual uh-huh. He's pretty verbose about it. He's proud about his spiritual you know, stuff. And he has a gift of healing and a ministry of healing. And he wants to find out where we go to church. And I'm quiet, you know, uh, because although I'm like this in public and private, I'm, I really am an introvert. People wouldn't believe yeah. it. But it's true. But this is what I do outward. So we're sitting there. My wife's talking to him. I'm watching him gauge. And then next thing you know, he says, I want to pray for you. I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you all. It's like, okay. And uh, I'm thinking, well, we're not sick. We're here for, you know, uh, uh, routine, routine, vitamin, you know, but yeah, okay, go ahead. So he stands up and he goes, uh, okay, I'm going to pray for you. I said, you sure can just don't, just don't touch us. And he goes, what? (laughs) I said, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't want you to touch me and my wife. He goes, why not? I said, because I don't know you. We don't know you. You're just a guy we just met. So I'm very, I'm particular about if God, you know, puts over, hey, who's going to actually lay hands? He goes, well, I normally hold hands. I said, well, not this time. (laughs) And he's like, and then there's people watching this nurse, you know, and I'm not being rude. I'm just being very direct. Yes. And I got my wife there. And then he goes, well, I guess I can pray without touching y'all and it'll work. I said, have at it. And then he says this, and that's what I want husbands and men to know. You better be ready to stand up in a time of stupidity and not give a flying scroll sack what anybody thinks when it's mm-hmm. time to do the right thing. And he goes, he literally says this. I come, This was yesterday. He goes, whatever you've learned about the Bible, whatever you know about God, Everything, all the preconceived, just wipe it from your mind right now before I pray. And I said, no. And then he kept talking. He ignored me. So whatever, I'm going to pray just where. And I said, that's not going to happen. And I said aloud. <laughs> and he stopped. He goes, what? I said, that's not going to happen. I said, we don't know you. You want to lay hands on us. Now you're telling us. 30-something years of walking with the Lord, Bible study, growth, experience, we're all to wipe that away. For you to say some type of prayer, not going to happen, buddy. Love it. And my wife's like, that's my man. <laughs> that's my man. And, <laughs> and uh, I, he so goes, great. he stands up flustered. You know, he stands up flustered and he goes, well, I don't have to pray for y'all. I said, no, you don't. Thanks for your intent. See ya. Yes. And he he stomped out like his feelings are hurt. And again, I wasn't yeah. rude. I mean, I could have cut him open, but <laughs> y- you know, it's just, dude. Yes. 
So, man, our, our, mm. an, an, a nurse who was there, she was sitting there, she watched it all, she goes, what just happened? I said, <laughs> all I had was healthy boundaries. This guy, and my wife said it, she goes, he tried to put spiritual authority over us, over everybody. Like he was the guy for spiritual. Yeah. And that wasn't going to happen. You know, that, that little nurse, about three weeks ago, we led her to Christ. Oh, my gosh. And, and I said, you're like a spiritual daughter. I'm glad you got to see this because you should stand up. You have a right to stand up, your voice be heard, set up boundaries. So, yes. yeah, I think we like that in men today because Christianity is taught you yeah. have to be nice. No, I don't. And I tell people I'm not a nice person. I'm yeah. kind. <laughs> I'll put my kindness against anybody. Yes. But but I'm not nice, and I won't let uh, predators, weird people, yes, uh, you know, walk over anybody. So well, and and that is such a great uh, kind of capstone to our conversation, right? Because this whole thing is about being ready. Yeah, it's it's not being apologetic for being ready to protect, ready to defend, ready to step in. And I think that masculinity, right? Because you know, masculinity is taking quite a beating over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. That masculinity is wildly attractive, and it draws people to, I think, to the character and good nature of God and the strength of God in a way that is, you can't do it any other way. Right. Well, it's attractive so, to my wife out there right now. <laughs> I bet she, it is. She's giving me those little sweet eyes. Yeah, that's pretty good after 30 plus, buddy. That's yeah, I was, I was like, all right. I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of you. Hey, listen. Victor, seriously, this has been just an incredible hour with you. I've enjoyed thankful it. Thankful for your friendship. Thankful for your ministry. You thanks too, for Jimmy. Yeah, thanks for everything that you're doing to rescue people and also to call the next generation of young men and young women and families to really stand for righteousness. Yes. So super grateful for you, my friend. All right, I appreciate you and your family. Look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, brother. God bless you, man. You as well.